so much. May I have a seat? Well, I'm hoping. I know that today is a, a busy day, uh, spending time. It's a family day as well. So I hope to keep it short, uh, sweet, and, and, and straight to the point this morning. And my question to, to us, and the question that I seek to answer this morning is, who is Jesus? What, uh, what does Jesus have to do with Christmas? What is it? Uh, who is the Christ in Christmas? And I want to highlight, and we won't go through this passage uh, fully, I want to highlight uh, this morning just verse 21, where the angel uh, speaks to Joseph and gives him a word. And uh, he says that, the ver- that Mary will bring, conceive a child, and she will bring forth a son, and she shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel is telling Joseph, do not be afraid, do not be anxious, do not be uh, preoccupied with this situation. The baby that is uh, in Mary is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And this morning I want to meditate on the name that was given to the Savior, not by the angel, the angel was just a messenger, but the, game, the name given by the Father, chosen by the Father for the Son. And the name of the Son is Jesus. We are told here in the Gospel that his name is Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Now the name Jesus in, in, the, uh, in the first century in the Middle East, in, in, in Judea, in, 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 in Palestine, in that region of the world, was a very common name, like Peter or John or Paul or, or, or Michael in our own day. Jo- uh, Jesus was an exceedingly common name. It was a name that was uh, found throughout the, the city. You would have several Jesus uh, Men named Jesus in, the, in the, any given region, in any given city. In fact, in, in Scripture, if you would, you would, we won't turn there, in the book of Colossians, we find that Paul uh, uh, greets or sends the greetings uh, or sends greetings to Jesus, the just. And in Colossae, uh, there was this believer whose name was Jesus, and he was known as the just. What a wonderful uh, characteristic to be emphasized a believer named Jesus having the name of our Lord and he is known as the one who is just so it was a very common name it was the translation of a Hebrew name Yoshua or Joshua uh, in English transliterated to English uh, and it then was translated to Greek Jesus uh, and then it gets translated this is just a history of the name into Latin uh, Jesu uh, and then we have the anglicized or westernized version, Jesus, or in other countries you would say Jesus uh, in, in Spanish, or in Portuguese we say Jesus, but it's the same name. And the name that comes to reveal something uh, of our Lord uh, has a meaning. In Hebrew, it's from the verb Yesha, which means to save. So the name literally translates uh, as the one who saves or savior. That was the name that God wanted his son to have, 
Jesus, Joshua, Jesus, uh, this name was because this name was the one that best expressed what the Son of God came to do in this world to save his people from their sins. Yes, the Lord Jesus came to do many other things within this one ministry of, uh, of the incarnation, within this one coming. He came to preach the word of God. That is true. He came to bring the kingdom of God. That is true as well. He came to reveal the Father to us. That is equally true. He had uh, wonderful and glorious teachings. That is true as well. But the most important thing, the, the primary, the principal thing that Christ, uh, that Jesus came to do was to save their people from their sins. That is the principal mission. That is the purpose, the reason he was born. That, he made, that is the reason why he made himself a child born in a manger. That is the reason why he came to live among us. That is his most special purpose and office. So the question is here asked then, what is sin? What is the nature of this salvation? And by saying that his name is Jesus, the angel is, and by saying that he would save his people from their sins, the angel is assuming quite a few things that we need to consider. First of all, that we are sinners. That the people of God are formerly, in many ways still, less and less, but nonetheless sinners. The second thing that is assumed here is that sin is a bad thing that we need to be saved from, isn't that? If Jesus came to save his people from their sins, it means that Jesus' people are sinners, it means that sin is a bad thing, and it means that sin is something that we need to be saved from. So let us unravel these things quickly. Uh, what does the Bible tell us about sin? The Bible tells us that sin is breaking God's law, is, is disobeying God, is going against what God wants, what God desires, what God says is right. Basically, sin is doing those things that God would not have us do, is doing what God says is wrong, what God says we shouldn't do. And is on the other side of the coin, the reverse uh, statement is true, is not doing those things that God says are right. That is what sin is. Sin is us living our lives as if God doesn't exist, as if God's uh, uh, will for our lives do not matter. Uh, uh, it is us making our own decisions, not caring about God, and going our own way in that sense. And the bad news is that there are no exceptions. For all human beings are sinners. You, me, all of us, everyone that you meet on the street, we are sinners. We are, by nature, born in sin. Some more than others in a visible way. Perhaps some commit sins that are more visible, more cruel, more violent, more brazen than others. But others commit them just in a quieter form and, uh, and in a subtler, subtler manner. But for God who knows the heart, for God who knows the, the inner thoughts of the heart, we are all sinners. There is no difference. We all have sinned and fallen short of the God, glory of God. The second part of the bad news 
Not only that sin is, is th- this breaking of God's law, is that sin carries consequences. And the consequences or the results of sin are too great for us to expand this morning, but they are not good. In, in a summary form, sin seems nice and pleasant. Sin seems like something that is good and, and, and pleasurable to us for a while. Something that uh, is worthwhile, but it doesn't take long for, the, for sin to rear its ugly head, head and, and, and for all that happiness and joy that comes with it to be taken away. When I was a kid, I was uh, speaking with someone on, on Friday evening about some of the memories. I'm from a different culture. We celebrate Christmas in a different way. Today for us, kind of like for Portuguese people and for many Roman Catholic uh, cultures around the world, today is a kind of our Boxing Day. We've, we've done our celebration yesterday on Christmas Eve. And I was talking with someone about the, the, the memories, the beautiful memories as a child of, of the traditions that, each, that different families had. One such tradition for us was the tradition of going to our grandmother's house on Christmas Eve and spend the day there. There were a lot of things that were common year by year. One of them is that we would go early uh, and that we would have lunch and at lunchtime we would go and, and grab a couple of chickens from the, the you call it a pen, right? And we would grab a couple of chickens from the pen and we would kill them, pluck their feathers and cook them for, for dinner. And I remember as a young child catching the, the, the chickens. And as I was thinking of this, it kind of reminded me something about what sin does to us. Because the way you, you catch chickens, because they can be quite fast, is that you lure them with some food. You lure them with something that seems pleasant to them, that they cannot help themselves. It's too pleasurable. It's too good. They, they, they come after the corn, and when they, they are very close to you, you grab them. That's how you catch animals in traps in the forest. You put or mice in your house. You put some bait. They come. They catch it. For the momentaneous pleasure of that food, they find death. That is what sin is for us. That's how we are lured into the, the consequences, the worst of consequences of sin. That momentary pleasure that comes to us. We take it. We go, oh, it's so good. Failing to realize that on the other side of that food is the butcher that will take our lives. That's what sin is. Yes, sin gives us temporary rewards of pleasure and satisfaction, but it's just an illusion. It is momentary. In the grand scheme of things, it is an insignificant pleasure had we, would we know the, the true consequences of that sin. And the Bible says that God will not let sinners take advantage or enjoy the pleasure of sin for a long time. I know it's not a usual thing. I was sh- sharing with some of the children on Friday that when we think of Christmas, we think of gifts, we think of family, we think of the nativity scene. We don't usually think of in terms of the wrath of God. 
But Christmas is very much about the wrath of God being, cut, being dealt with. Us being saved from our sins. Us being saved from the consequences of our sins. We are born in sin. We are natural sinners. In, in fact, we, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. It is natural to us. It's kind of like this, this subconscious, instinctual habit that we have. That we cannot help ourselves. Just like it is so hard to leave an addiction, to leave, uh, uh, or sin is, is, is an addiction. It is delicious. It is good in, in the moment. You cannot change that nature. It's just like you cannot, to use the farm analogy again, just like you cannot change the, a, a, a pig from being a pig. You know what happens to a pig if you take him out of the mud uh, and, and you clean them up, you put a nice bow tie on him, and then you release him back to the farm again. You know what the pig is going to do? He's going to run straight back to that mud. That's us and our sin. But then the reverse side of, of those who have been changed and transformed from, uh, by God's grace is that our nature gets changed. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment. But it, it, it be, we become like... Cats, a cat, uh, if, you, if they get a little bit of mud on them, they will not stop until they clean themselves, until they're, they're fully clean. That is the two natures here. But worse than that, sin not only leads to death, sin not only is this pervasive nature that we have, sin takes us away from God and everything that God promised and designed so wonderfully for his people. The pleasures, unending, eternal that God has designed. Because of sin, we have fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot stand in God's presence. We cannot earn God's favor. All those wonderful things that God has so wonderfully planned for us. That's the reason why Jesus came to save his people from their sins. That's the reason why Jesus came, because sins, uh, sin brings all these consequences. And that's why he came. And the question is, in what way he came to do this? And the testimony of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is quite clear, quite straightforward. It is one story. It is the story of the Bible that teaches us that through the death of Christ on the cross... And his resurrection, he took our place as sinners on the cross. He took the punishment and the guilt, and, and he was buried. And after three days, he rose up from the dead again. In a gloriously incorruptible body, he lived again. He went back from, to heaven where he intercedes on our behalf. And he will return one day to resolve the problem of sin once and for all. But we must be saved from sin. Some of us, we confuse the, 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 I forgot what the, how you say the word. We confuse the, the, the words here. We, it says, you, you, he came to save his people from their sins. And we think, oh, he came to save his people in their sins. No, we must, uh, some imagine it is this way, but we must be saved from our sins. Our sins must be dealt with. And that's how 
God comes and does it by his death on the cross, by his resurrection, and by his coming. Let me explain. Number one, God deals with the guilt of our sin. Number two, he deals with the power or the dominion of sin in our lives. And number three, he will deal or deals with uh, the presence of sin. So first of all, he saves us from the guilt of sin. When Christ goes to the cross, there he is, uh, being lifted up on that cross. He's taking the place of sinners. Our iniquity, our transgressions, our sins were laid upon him. He takes our place. God the Father transfers the guilt that was ours to him. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. So he deals with our guilt. He deals with the wrath of God. That's the story of Christmas that, that is so controversial. That is the story of Christmas that we so often don't hear about. He is coming into the world. It was not just about the crib or the cradle or the manger. It was about the cross that was to come. There is absolutely no need for the, for the, for the manger if you don't have the cross. The point was the cross, to deal with guilt there on the cross. Though for just a few hours, he took our guilt. He experienced our hell. He, he lived the punishment. He lived through the punishment that we deserved. But it's not just the guilt, is it? Even if God would, were to come and say, look, I've taken away your guilt. If you believe in Christ, you're forgiven. That would do us very little, wouldn't it? Because, again, because of the nature of sin. Because of the power, the dominion of sin in our lives. You take away the guilt, like cleaning up a pig uh, and putting a nice uh, bow tie on him. He will, as soon as possible, go back into the mud. We would, as soon as possible, go back into our sin. So God comes not only to deal with the guilt of sin, but with the power and dominion of sin. Sin would still be in us. But when Jesus saves us from our sins, he saves us from the power of sin, from this nature of sin. And that he does this in the, the, in the same way that the cross points us to the guilt of sin being dealt with. The resurrection of Christ points us with, to the power of sin being dealt with. He is now not dead. He lives. And because of our union with him and because of his power in and th- uh, working through us, because of his sanctifying spirit, the spirit of Christ indwelling us, we can and do overcome the power and dominion of sin. As God, uh, Christ rises in his holy transformed body, immortal and incorruptible, we too rise with him. And the resurrection of God's Son, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the answer of God to the problem of the power and dominion of sin. Because we are not left to our own selves. In virtue of our union and of our being with Christ in His power, we can and we do overcome sin. 
God's answer to the problem, the power of the power, dominion of sin in the people of God is Christ's resurrection. And together with him in his strength, we overcome it. We've overcome the depraved wills of ours to do what is wrong. Wouldn't you love to hate sin a little bit more? The good news is that in Christ and with Christ working in us, we can and we do sin less. In this world, it is imperfect. We will continue to sin. Although it hurts us, although it it grieves our hearts, we will. Church is not, a, as they say, a, a museum of saints. It is a hospital for sinners coming to Christ continually for the forgiveness of our sins. But in Jesus, we have the strength to overcome more and more the power of sin so that in the process of our whole lives, we become holier and holier. We become uh, Closer in, in the likeness to in Christ more and more. We overcome sin. We sin less. The closer we are to him, the, the smaller the sin becomes bigger and bigger in our eyes as well. In many ways, we, we, we become much more aware and, uh, and conscious of our own inadequacies and our own sinfulness. Even the small desires of the heart that when we first believed didn't bother us or didn't, uh, weren't that noticeable, they start becoming more and more noticeable when we loathe our, uh, those things. But in Christ and with Christ, we can and we do overcome sin. We can le- sin less today than we did yesterday. In fact, we do. That is one of the great hallmarks of truly transformed lives lived in the power of the spirit in union with Christ is holiness is the desire to be holy so this is the good news you can live a life where sin is not really a necessity a no uh, 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 something that will it invariably happen. But because Jesus came to save us, not only from the guilt of sin, but the, and the power and dominion of sin, we also find a complete salvation in the fact that he came to save us from the presence of sin. I spoke to the night that sin is pervasive and complete in our lives. And in Scripture, we are told that the salvation that God brings, the salvation that Jesus brings, is as well complete and pervasive and full. Sin doesn't just go away, does it? Sin is still there, like a, 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 a ferocious beast that we need to, to, to shackle and, and, and constrain and, and, and stop. It's still there. And when, once we leave... Uh, uh, open our guard a little bit and when we get distracted we start fooling around and playing around with it uh, a thought uh, that should have been quenched at the moment that it comes into our head is allowed to, to take a nest and, and then it, 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 it runs rampant again there is still sin surrounding us and it returns time and time again 
But there is a time. There is a, a sense that when Jesus comes to save us, he also saves us from the presence of sin. In part now, but fully when he returns, when he comes again to judge the earth, to do away with sin once and for all, at his return, everything will be dealt with fully and forever. And there sin is no longer present. In God's presence there is no sin. And there we will indeed be able to please God with all our heart and with all our life for all eternity. That's why his name is Jesus, brothers and sisters, my friends. Because he came to save sinners from their sins. From their sins. From the consequences, from the presence, from the dominion, from the power, from the presence of sin. That's why we receive the birth of Christ. I know Christ wasn't born. Well, there's one in 365 chance that he was born on the 25th of December. But we know it wasn't on the 25th of December. But that's why we celebrate it. Not only on the, on the holiday Christmas season, but throughout our year we celebrate his coming because his coming is the representation of our sin being done with being saved from them do you understand this that's my question do you understand do you understand what the death of jesus the coming of jesus represents to you you must be saved from sin not in sin <coughs> As some imagine, just like a drowning man must be saved, uh, if he must be saved, he must be taken away from the water. You cannot save a man from drowning and keeping him underwater. That's the first thing. Take him away from the water, place him in dry land, and then he can be saved. The name of Jesus means Savior. It is given to our Lord because he saves his people from their sins. That is his most special office, his most special purpose. He saves us from the guilt of sin by washing us in his atoning blood. He saves us from the power and dominion of sin by his resurrection and by putting his sending his sanctifying spirit to indwell us. And he saves us from the presence of sin or he will save us from the presence of sin when he takes us out of this world to rest with him. He will save them, save us from all the consequences of sin when he shall give us a glorious body at the last day. Blessed and holy are Christ's people. Notice, and I'll close by saying this, that Christ, that Jesus did not come to save us from pain in this world, from suffering, from sorrow, from carrying our crosses. He did not come to save us from conflict. Those things are a given. They will be there. We are not saved from those in this world, but we are saved from sin here and in the world to come. We are cleansed from guilt by Christ's blood and we are made to be worthy not worthy is probably not the best. We're made to be suitable uh, recipients by the power of his spirit to be 
in the presence of Christ in heaven. That is the salvation. That is what Jesus came to do.